you got the set. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. Clocks on the stove. Wednesday, November 17th. You already know it's getting a little cold. I had to put my beanie on. Also, shout out my Cornell Wrestling boys. Kicking off the season this Saturday, 6.30 against Stanford. Check it out on ESPN+. Plus. We got two great hosts today helping me out. Big Meech has some family issues going on. We understand. Hope best for you, Meech. We got back and better than ever. We got Zach Watts. Yes, and we got a, a fan that's been trying to come on for a long time. Finally on all the way from Philly, Pennsylvania. Ethan's Go Birds. Head. Go Birds, baby. Before we start off, I'd like to pay my respects. Rest in peace, young Dolph. He got shot and killed today. This podcast for you, my man. Starting us off, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, guys. Starting us off, NFL. There's been a lot. So a lot of taunting calls have been getting made, both in the, the NFL level and college level recently. And Adam Thielen, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, came out and talked about it. And he said they're taking the fun out of the game. Also, these calls are affecting games when they have nothing to do with the game. You know, and I do agree with that. We also have the case where DK Metcalf scores a touchdown, jumps on the goalpost, and gets fined $6,949 for unsportsmanlike conduct. Didn't even do it towards another player. It's stupid. It's so – It's I can't even say. It's so dumb. Like, how do you call – games are one – and lost by these stupid, stupid, stupid penalties. And it makes no sense. Like, you're not taunting. You're celebrating. That's not taunting. That's a celebration. Yeah, you get paid millions of dollars, and now they're asking you not even to enjoy what you do for a living. Like, these men put their bodies through hell week in and week out. They can't celebrate when they finally do something. Like, like what the fuck? I mean, it just, it's just not how it's supposed to be. That's not how the game's supposed to be played. And it's just, just like everything. Everything's getting so soft. Like, now oh, yeah, to the point yeah, where, like, sure. Now it's to the point where you can't celebrate. Dude, it's crazy that like you're accepted and allowed to drop a shoulder and run through another human being, but if you put your hand up and point to God when you score a touchdown, that's a flag. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? Dude, I think I think what makes me even more mad is like you'll see on social media from the NFL or like Fox uh, covering these sports they'll post the videos of them celebrating and be like oh yeah getting hyped they'll literally celebrate chad johnson for being the most charismatic player to ever come into the national football league but at the same time if he was doing those things in today's games he would get thousands of dollars of fines a weekend and week out but yet they want to use these celebrations to help like commend their sport help like to boost it to other audiences but at the same time they're punishing them like i just don't see where the thought like where the thought is coming through like that makes sense. Like yeah, let's you can't, guys, but then in our hands, let's use it to help. You can't even celebrate. You can't celebrate now unless you're like what praising Roger Goodell, that stupid moron of a fucking commissioner. Yeah, yeah. No, terrible. Terrible. Well, if you bend down on a knee and you go thank you, Roger, you might not get a flag. You they might. might actually pay you for that now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's where it's yeah. gonna go. Moving on, we got the Dalvin Cook lawsuit. So to be honest, guys, I actually didn't know too much about this at all. And then I was on I was on TikTok and I saw a guy explaining it and I was like, Yeah, I saw this. This today. is like one of the most I feel like under talked about cases. That's kind of insane. So it's gonna like, go nowhere. It's just like all these allegations yeah, that happen. The alleg yes, but listen, this is like the general consensus to it. The general consensus is Dalvin Cook was at his home and his ex girlfriend Gracelyn Tr- Trimble, all right, a sergeant in the U.S. Army, 
came into his house via a garage opener that she he never gave her that she stole went in attacked him he defended himself and now she's suing him saying that he he assaulted her and then he says in the press conference the truth will the truth will come out soon i mean it will i mean at the end of the day like he has to just that's all he can say right i mean he's got a career he's he's got a game to play i mean what else can you do I mean, it's that at that point, that's nothing's on him. You just let it take its course. If he's telling the truth, then you know it, it'll work out in that in that regard. Yeah, it's kind of weird how they'll let other players' uh, stories and allegations kind of go under the radar, and that's kind of the path I wish they'd allow these athletes. But then you look at other situations like Deshaun Watson, and you see how much publicity publicity that stuff gets. Um, so really, the NFL just saying like these are the caliber we view these players are at, and this is how much positive or negative media we feel they deserve. I mean, it's the NFL's job whether or not they want to release these stories and they make that decision on a daily basis. It's the same. I will say at the end of the day, though, when you are a player like Dalvin Cook, you have to expect, you know, things of this nature to come out about you. I mean, you're a top caliber player in the NFL. I mean, you know, just like that. It's not like some, you know, guy in the practice squad is going to have some big story come out of him because no one's going to get hit on it. It's a media thing. And, at the end of the day, what any publicity is good publicity, I guess. That's your perspective on it. But I, I, I mean, if you're not in the wrong, you're not in the wrong. Yeah, you know, no, you, you know what you did. You know what you didn't. And I'm a Florida State Seminole fan. I love Dalvin Cook. I'm a big <laughs> Dalvin Cook fan as a person. I like Dalvin a lot. I don't think he's in the wrong. I just think it's interesting how, like Zach said, like it wasn't. It's not really being covered that much. And I'm not saying like, – I'm all for letting these professional athletes live their own lives and not have media in their face. Like, I'm all for that. But this is just another example, I feel like, of sports media trying to find a narrative. And there's not really a narrative that's going to bring in a lot of money, I feel like, with this story. Versus, like, the Deshaun Watson story, there's so much money coming in involved with the narrative and involved with, with all that's going on. Obviously, more accusations, more people involved. But even when it was just the first couple that blew up like fire, it took me a couple well, of days to find out about the Dalvin Cook thing. Compare this to, like, I mean, like, think about it. Like, Deshaun Watson was a sexual assault thing, right? You know, he was doing whatever he was doing, all right? But, and, it, you know, it looks poor on the team. And I don't think this looks super poor on the team here. And at the same time, compare this to the, the was it Ray Rice when he beat his yeah. girlfriend in the in the, in the the uh, elevator? I mean, there was footage yeah, of that. One, but, two, Mayweather, three, four, McGregor, you know? But, but again, look at that. I mean, that only went so far. Uh, maybe they're taking a bigger stand against sexual assault. I don't know what they're doing, but at the end of the day, this is, it's just one of those things that you're just not going to hear a lot about. And I think it's going to be over pretty fast. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Which, which before we move on, I like that because like, there's such a, like, I'm not defending Deshaun Watson. I'm not defending anyone that's done anything wrong. I don't know what he's done and what he hasn't done, but there's a lot of people that haven't done wrong and have been punished for it. Like Sean Oakman, not even me be able to get the opportunity to play in the NFL because of accusations, goes to jail, serves jail time, and now find out none of it even happened. You know, like, I just – it happens a lot, dude. Like, you saw with DeAndre Francois, the old Florida State quarterback. Like, you see it a lot. And I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. There are guys that do bad things that are, that are professional athletes, and I believe they should be punished like a regular person. I 100% agree with that. But I also believe that there's more accusations that come out than there are reality of it being true. Person. Especially when you're, you know, a high caliber player like Dalvin Cook, you always got a target on your back. No matter who you are, if you're in the NFL at the end of the day, no matter who you are, you're going to have a target on your back. Professional athlete, you know, any source of power, 
you know, statement in the world, like someone's coming after you one way or another. Yeah. I just feel like, especially in America, we're the biggest proponents of uh, you're innocent to be proven guilty. Yet we choose to push these storylines about players when we don't know when all the facts are fully available yet. So, I mean, already like we get narratives drawn about Dalvin cook, we get narratives drawn about Deshaun Watson, whether they did it or not, like they could be proven innocent and like these people were still going to be lashing out at them saying like oh they did such and such like they got away with it like it's it's painting these people under a certain light like our superstars of the game and i just feel like it's unfair to them like these are supposed to be the people we look at as role models and the people that our kids are supposed to look at as who they want to become later in life and then just to see these storylines about them it's kind of disheartening um i wish there was a better way to go about it but i mean the media is a nasty animal and they're going to do whatever they can to get their paychecks at the end of the day 100%. I agree. Like, I like how you said that a lot, Zach. We're I'm excited about that. this. I'm but excited so, about this one. The One of the craziest things that just out of nowhere. Out of left field, baby. Cameron Superman Newton back in Carolina. This is exciting. This is fucking exciting. So, so when when the injury with Sam Donald happened, I was in my, in my kitchen talking to one of my roommates, Jay. He's a big football guy, follows sports pretty in-depth. I was like, listen – P.J. Walker is not bad, okay? He had a great career at Temple, and he had a very good career in the XFL. I'm not saying he's elite, but he's not bad. And this was before the signing of Cam Newton. Then they bring Cam in, and it's like, all right, you know Donald – correct me if I'm incorrect, guys. Donald's out for the season. He's, he's not playing. So, you, what if yeah. you're Carolina, what are you doing right now? Are you going to invest in P.J. Walker, who did not play poorly in the game, by the way, did not play poorly, or are you going to go back to the Cam, the Cam – you're going to ride Cam Newton's Superman train again. Cam Show all the way. I mean, come on. He took him to the Super Bowl once. He's, he's still got it, obviously. Scored a touchdown, you know I mean? You got to give it to him. And, and now they're saying that, you know, it's possible he's going to start this coming week. Like, you know, I think Cam's got the talent. I don't think he was comfortable with the Patriots organization originally. Um, I definitely think that Belichick is the type of coach when he was up there that, you know, needs to develop a player. You know, that's how he did so well with Tom, I believe, even though, Tom's, you know, the greatest of all time here. Look how he's doing with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is killing it up there, and it just wasn't the spot for Cam. But moving back to, you know, the Panthers, I think this is going to be a whole new world. I think he could really elevate this team, honestly. And I think he, we're going to be shocked, and I think he's going to play better than Sam Donald. Yeah, cool. than just his prowess uh, on the field. I mean, you saw a lot of sideline videos of him coming in. Guys just enjoy when he's back in Carolina. I mean, the fans fully love him. They're all in on him from the start. Um, they were upset to see him leave and not, they get another chance to get him back. I think you'll really see that they'll enjoy him that much more. And then you saw the players uh, just during the game, just a different energy they brought to the field after Cam scored his first touchdown. You had nearly the entire team going crazy on the sideline coming on the field. Um, I mean, he just brings that fire. And then he immediately assumed a leadership role as soon as he got back. We saw him leading huddles, um, coming out onto the field during halftime, um, coming back out for drives. Like, he was fully involved with that team, and I think he's glad to be back. So he gets another opportunity to show everybody um, that he's not done, and Superman Cam's got another chance at redemption. Yeah, I do like what you said, though, a lot, Ethan, about uh, Belichick's the developing guy. I also, you know, Zach's uh, a big – Patriots guy, so I'm always talking Patriots football with Zach too. I think the timing of him going to the Patriots was also just as bad. Like when he got there, they lost so much. And on top of that, they had so many injuries. So you're bringing him into a new system where he has to get accustomed to. 
On top of that, he's doing it with the second and third string guys. I just feel like timing. I feel like it was all just not not a good package for Cam. I'm a very big Cam Newton fan. I like him a lot. I think he's great for the sport. I think when it's one of those things, like, you know, you hear in MMA all the time, when Conor McGregor's in MMA, it's MMA's better. When Cam Newton's in the NFL, the NFL's better, I feel like. You know, like, he just brings – he brings up – he brings the fun – like we were talking about earlier, he brings the fun to the game. He has fun. And that's – it's fun to watch guys love what they do. And Cam loves what he does. Um, I feel like the only reason he didn't get as many snaps was because he doesn't know the playbook yet, you know, under uh, – what's the new coach's name? You guys can have to help me out. I can't even say his name. Arrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think he's definitely going to learn it this week. Get it going. The only thing that hurts me about Cam is, like, his legs opened up so many opportunities for him in that Super Bowl and MVP run, and he cannot do that now due to the injuries and he's a little he's still, But he showed that he still can when he scored that touchdown. I mean, you know, you don't need him to be able to, to take, you know, to be putting up 60, 70, 80 yards a game on his legs. You need him to complete passes, get down in the red zone, and at the end of the day, if you're in the red zone, you can trust him taking the ball in the end zone. That's, that's what matters at the end of the day, I think. And their receiving core is not bad at all. No, and, and you know, I don't think you can tell Cam now either that. I think you got to let him play his own game. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's a veteran. You know, the dude knows yeah. what he's doing. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been, been in the league for years, and that's his team at the end of the day. Even if he was gone, Panthers is his, it's his team. Yeah, you just got to sure. trust him, let him go with it, and this is how your season's going to look, Matt. Because what are you going to do? I mean, Sam Darnold's out, and you brought back. I think the best option for the Panthers right now. Yeah, and like the thing about sorry, Zach, the the thing about like what Zach was talking about on the sideline and stuff like that. Like I, you hear like you can go through all our podcast episodes. You hear me preach it probably once. Like what what he brings to the table is what I call uh, an unstatistical factor. You cannot bring leadership into statistics. And that's where when I don't watch NBA a lot, but like I always talk about um, Jimmy Butler like this. Like he, there's stuff he does that like he doesn't like look great on the stat sheet, but he controlled the game and he's a game manager. He's a floor general. I feel the same way about Cam. He might not destroy the stat sheet and like run up the points, like everything they need. But when it comes to a leader and someone's going to help him in the middle of the season, he's got a new quarterback. He's out. Like these guys are losing hope. Like I feel like that's, an unstatistical factor he's going to bring that's good. that has the opportunity to really benefit this program. I, completely I, think another, I think another important thing to note with bringing Cam back is it was just a good scheme fit for what they were trying to do. I mean, we looked at the first two, three weeks of the season. Sam Darnold led the league in rushing touchdowns with like five or six at the time. Um, you look at Carolina now, they rank 22nd per PFF in red zone touchdown um, conversion. I mean, they're only scoring touchdowns within the red zone. 50, like, what is it? 54%. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, you can't succeed in the NFL with that, but you bring Cam Newton in that situation. Mm-hmm. You open up a passing game. You not only have Christian McCaffrey in the passing and the running game, but now you have a quarterback that can use his legs and power and run in between the tackles. You're going to have a guy that within the 10 yard line, you're playing a whole guessing game on what they're going to try to throw at you. So I think this is going to help them turn some field goals into touchdowns. Um, now on, um, we saw how dominant, they were coming out uh, against a kind of an injured uh, Arizona team. They're missing their entire offense, but um, still given the circumstances, you got to win games when you can. And they just showed out against one of the best teams in the league. So that's something you got, you got to tip your cap to. Um, you got to run with the cam train from here on out. I wouldn't focus too much on the future. Um, whether you want to do Sam Darnold, whether you want to go to aging Cam Newton, um, just enjoy the year you're having now, now that you got your guy back and see what you can do with it. Do we know what is uh, off the top his contract entails? It's I'm pretty. It's just a one season, right? 
Yeah, it's just the remainder of the season. Yeah, but solid deal. A lot of incentives um, can get out of that. Um, they really rewarded him well. Um, definitely that contract was a sorry about making you leave, but welcome home. Yeah, 100%. what was – before we move on real quick, I feel like you guys should know this uh, a little more in depth than I am. That's why I wanted to ask you guys. What, what was the reason for getting rid of Cam? Like, why why did they just give up on him so so fast? Um, Injury, he was at end of his contract, so they knew they couldn't bring him back. Um, I know Cam wanted to test free agency, but the team they had at the time just was not working out. They had built around him for that 2015 run, and it was slowly deteriorating. He wanted a lot. Yeah. He wanted a, he wanted a bag, too. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't getting anywhere. Well, it's hard to get a bag when you have McCaffrey next to you, who's arguably the best running back in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to give him a good chance though, to either get re-signed next year. I mean, depending on the play here, I mean. No, you know. You yeah. Your, yeah, when you surround yourself with good. But money-wise, you can't have too money go to the team. No, 100%. But, I mean, Cam now, I mean, making his way back in the NFL here. I mean – when you surround yourself with good players, you always play better, right? For the 100%. most part, you surround yourself with people better than you at things and, you know, ups your game. And I think in this case, we could see that happen a lot with Cam here. Yeah. So now next, that was crazy. Then the next also insane thing that happened, Odell going to the Rams. So Pretty last right. podcast, last like podcast that. we talked about, we talked about Odell's dad. Uh, you know, doing the whole thing with the Browns and making the whole scene and then Odell getting kicked off the Browns and then them not touching him while all this stuff with Odell and the Browns. So everything I was reading leading up to this was always going to Baltimore. You know, Lamar's talking about him. Uh, the, all the other players in Baltimore talking about him. Like, Baltimore fans talking about him. I was like, that'd be kind of nasty. Well, then he started talking about Green Bay. And I'm like, whoa, that's weird. Because, you know, he knows going to Green Bay is not going to be the number one receiver. Devontae Adams, is, that's, that's Aaron's guy. Then he goes to the Rams. So I, I'm not saying any of this is true or set in stone. I'm just telling you what I was digging in a little and reading a little. Rumor has it from some sources that Robert Woods was hurt before Friday, but they didn't announce it until they signed Odell. So I don't think that that has anything to really do with them bringing Odell. No, I don't either. I- I'm just saying that's what they're, they're saying, like, they were going to get someone, and they got happy that the someone they need they got was Odell. I mean, Robert Woods hurt or not, I mean, Odell's a high-caliber player. So no matter where – and, and that team is making a push. I mean, they're, they're, Matt Stafford looks great at the Rams right now, better than he ever did in any season in Detroit. Except on – I mean – I think he's struggling as of late. I don't really like what he's doing right now. I don't know. I, I think he looks great. Every, of course, you're going to have a few hiccup games here and there, but I think he looks much better than he ever did in Detroit. And I think that bringing Odell is just going to add that extra spark, especially with, with Cup and, you know, Robert Woods getting hurt, getting hurt at practice or not before or after. I don't think it makes a difference. I saw something today from the Pat McAfee show. They actually had Jay Glazer on an interview, and the rumor was that uh, Odell had always wanted to go to the Rams. Um, and this was before he even got shipped to Cleveland. He had requested a trade to the Rams that didn't go through. So apparently his mindset was he always wanted to be in LA. Um, and now that he gets his chance to, obviously there's a lot of light on him even more than before. Um, we saw how he was struggling. So now we're 
expecting him to boom now in a better offense with Cup uh, on the other side. So he doesn't necessarily get the wide receiver one attention in my mind um, still, which is kind of weird to me because for him wanting out, I thought it was for him to show that he's still a number one caliber wide receiver. It was still for him to show that he's the main guy on a team. So I would expect him to gone to a still a playoff contender, but a team that was looking for a number one receiver. As a Patriots fan, I thought that's where we were going to make our move. Was on well, that. if the team's looking for a number one receiver still, I don't think they're a playoff content, contention team. The Rams? No, 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 no. I'm saying in general. Like, if there's a team looking for, you know, a number one a number one oh, okay, wide okay. receiver at this point in time, right now, this this far through the season, they're not in playoff contention. No, but I – like, like I get what – dude, what Zach said, though, is the exact same thing I thought. Because when we were looking at it from the Browns' perspective, like, when he was having all those, like, little hissy, hissy fits with his daddy and all the coaches, mm -hmm. it was all like, I don't get the ball enough. I don't get enough attention. Like, you guys don't care enough about me. So, but then – that's why I was so confused why you go to the Rams because they also have so many weapons. Like he's not, he know he has to know he's not going to get that many touches going to the Rams. He's so, ring chasing. He's no, ring yeah, chasing. Not, yeah, no, I think I think there's that a hundred percent. I also think that Odell is kind of more of a celebrity now than an NFL player. You know, he's in Drake music videos. He's hanging out with these stars. He wanted to be in LA. Like he's trying to set himself up so when he's done playing football, he has other opportunities. I think and. The Rams got to win it this year because they are fully invested in this season right now. They got they're they're invested. I mean, they just got Von Miller and now OBJ. I mean, like you you know they're going for it. They don't give a sh flying shit about any of their potential you know draft picks moving forward. They're just giving them up. They have like two draft picks next season. Uh, it's like just take them here. You go. Like they're yeah. just handing them out. And that's gonna bite them in the ass if they don't win. It's gonna bite them I in agree. the ass. The problem is, though, is like, you know, I like the Rams. I love Sean McVay, huge Sean McVay guy. But Zach and I, on Monday, we're having a, a big uh, talk about the difference of regular season and postseason sports. And the problem is, is if they do, they, they loaded up their team so that they're going to make the playoffs. That's a guarantee. That happens. 100%. But the problem is, and the reason why you see success in Belichick, you see the success in, success in Brady and guys like that, is that, the way they play, they don't play just to make the playoffs. They play to become champions. That's why they may not have the best regular season. They may not do that good in the regular season, but they always perform when it's game time in the postseason. And you I see that a lot with, with athletes across other sports. And the problem is with Matthew Stafford is he's never played postseason football. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how he's going to handle that adversity. Maybe first round they're down 14-0. Or like there's adversity there that 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 he's a vet, dude. made. It's just I, dude, I like Matthew Stafford. I'm saying I, there's a I very think big difference well. between regular season and postseason. In any 100%. But I think you got to trust Sean McVay. He's been to the Super Bowl now. He knows what it's like. And I think Matthew Stafford, being a vet, being in the league for so long, he's handled adversity already. He's, he's been through these things. I mean, he's been on the fucking goddamn Detroit Lions who suck continuously year after year after year. I mean, like, if that doesn't say you're, sh you're showing adversity there, I don't know what it is because – He's still here. He's yeah, still but he, here. Is he going to be able to walk into a Green Bay environment? 100%. Off time and it's like 100%. degrees outside. And you yeah, got I mean, literally so loud. You got to go to a silent count from the first snap of the game. I mean, I, I think know. he can. I mean, come on. He's been playing in high caliber games. Maybe it's not postseason games, but I mean, like Detroit always has their Thanksgiving Day game. I mean, that's got to be a different 
set of nerves, but I mean, still, you know what I mean? You're, you're playing on this day. I know, dude, but like, I can't compare the two, I, I guess. But I'm like, not trying to, I'm not trying to down talk Stafford. I like Stafford. I like the Rams. If, if McVay got a ring, I'd be very happy with them. But what I'm saying is, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. This is an unmeasurable statistic. Is what, like, Zach, like, like the way we were saying is like, look, you got guys that, that don't do that good in the regular season. They make it to the postseason. And then for some reason, they eat in the postseason. A, a great example is, is Chad Red. He's a wrestler from Nebraska. He always does very mediocre during the season. And then he All-Americans every single year in college. Because they just know what it takes to win at that level. And I'm not saying Matthew Stafford's not good enough. He's definitely good enough. But there's a difference of playing at Green Bay on Thanksgiving and playing at Green Bay in the, like Zach was saying, fully loaded, there's stuff on the line. You know, because this isn't money anymore. This is this is people playing with heart, playing with passion. These are things you don't see on paper. And it's going to be crazy to see if he can overcome that adversity because he's the leader. You know, he's the hey, leader of the team. We'll find out soon enough. We're going to, yeah. We're going to. That's just my only concern for the Rams is that they put a lot into this team. And postseason is never a lock in any sport, bro. Especially, I mean, especially. Realistically here, though, we already know who's going to win the Super Bowl. Who? What do you mean? It's the Eagles, baby. Come on. Come on. Yeah, give me so, an Eagles Patriots rematch. So we've been talking a lot of a lot of uh Gruden recently. Gruden's now suing the NFL and Roger Goodell. He says the NFL and Roger Goodell leaked emails to damage reputation and force him out of job. I think this goes in two ways. I think the good and bad, the good for Gruden. Supreme Court and Congress, who have been trying to get a hold of this case for a while, NFL keeps refusing. They demand it and they get it. They leak all the emails. He's going to win. Or they keep pushing it off. The NFL, so the United States justice system doesn't get a hold of it, and it becomes the NFL's case. Destroy him. I feel like well, there's no in between. That and now he's just putting himself out there more to be talked about. Oh, no. Now you know? he's more of a target for sure. But he. Dude, there's no way. Like, I, I'm not even defending him because I like him. I'm just being, I'm being, I'm being real right now. I'm gonna be a realist. There's no yeah. way out of 650,000 emails, you can tell me he said he's the only person in there that said anything bad. It's 650,000 emails. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee that it's not just him. Yeah. It's not like a, it's not a question. It's a guarantee. It's exactly. the thing that like really annoys me about it is. There was no explanation or justification why they leaked the Gruden email specifically. It was just like, oh, we did our investigation originally on Dan Snyder and the Washington football team. This is where our origi- original investigation sprung from. We got 650,000 emails to search through. And we're just going to say, oh, John Gruden, yeah, you're gone. Like, here's what we have to say about you. But then uh, according to the rest, it was like, oh, based on our own internal research or investigation on ourselves – we found nothing. Yeah, that's what pissed sure. me off most. Yeah, sure. Not, it's not that they ignored the fact. It wasn't that they ignored it. They acknowledged that that was what people were thinking. And they're like, oh, we read through every single one of them. We didn't do anything bad. Like, yeah, no shit. You're going to say sure. that. You're going to cover your like, own. What? 10 times. That's, like, ru- that's, that's rule number one with everything. Always cover your own ass. Yeah. Yeah, but like. like there's just so many confusing factors. Like, why did John Gruden even get pulled into a Washington football investigation? He wasn't even an NFL employee. He wasn't even a coach. He was. It, it, there's so many weird things about it. But Congress has been asking for weeks for them to hand over the case, hand over the emails, make them public. Like, they're they're in their ear. Like, 
the problem is, is if Congress takes it over, I feel like the NFL is going to change drastically because a well, lot of should, pieces are going to be moved. It should, though, I think. I think it would almost be good for the NFL. I mean, come on, this organization is just in shambles. It's it's poorly run with John with, with um Roger Goodell up front. I mean, like, the NFL is just – there's no checks and balances. I feel like it's like, you know, you get away with what you get away with and you get caught for what you get caught for. And you know, what? You day, it's like, it sucks. Like, you know what? Like, and the fact is we're in a back on the group thing. Like, we're in a different world now. I mean, like we're way in a different spot than we were when these emails were sent. What? 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 11 years ago. Exactly. So we're in, we're in a whole different place in this world than when these emails were sent. So, I mean, like, at some point, I get it, you know, you got to watch your mouth, right? And you're a person of authority, but take some shit with a grain of salt for once, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the dude doesn't mean it. And it's 10 years ago. What, are you going to go back and shame everybody for things they did 10 years ago? Yeah. You're going to every single person's hiding something. So what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to dig it up. You went to my phone in the last week, I get in trouble. Like, what? Exactly. Like... You know, like, what the fuck? And I think another thing that also makes me mad, because I'm reading the report now, and it says the lawsuit that Gruden filed is saying the NFL pressured the Raiders to terminate Gruden and intimidated them that further documents would become public if Gruden wasn't fired. So number one, what are the documents you're holding back that you said you couldn't find in the first place? Why are you threatening an uh, NFL team to terminate one of their own coaches? Like, it's their choice at the end of the day whether they want to get rid of the coach or not. That shouldn't be up to you to say like, oh, I, we have to threaten you to let him go. Like if what he did was bad enough, the team will make the right move in letting him go. But it's just a big power play by the NFL to really like say like, we hold all the power here. We can control who's on whose roster. We can hold this information on any over anyone's head. And at any given moment, if they don't like the way a player's upholding the league's values or trying to go the same direction or different direction that they want to, they can just drop the ball on their head and say, get out. Good luck finding another uh, competitor to compete in. What do you want to go to the XFL, the CFL? You promise you won't make any more money. So it's literally either shut up or lace up at this point. And I don't think we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, dude. And what bothers me the most is like well said. before he got fired and like it was just the beginning of the process, he did everything right. He held a press conference. He had media comp. He acknowledged what he did was incorrect. And he apologized to it publicly. He's like, I'm no longer that man. That's not what I did. Like he did exactly what you would ask a person to do in this example. And then they still fucked him, you know? And then all, when that first happened, all these former players, all these media people are like, that's not the John Gruden I knew. That's not the John Gruden I played for. He was never like that. Then he gets fired. Like, yeah, he was a racist the whole time. Like it's just, it's crazy how much you controlled the NFL is sculpting to be a villain, you know, like it's so dumb. I, I think what, angers me more because like I talked to some old football players so those of you that don't know this me and Grayson attended high school together and John Gruden would actually come coach our football teams uh one portion of our season his son went to our school with us yeah. that's how I'm so close that's how we're so close with him yeah so from just like it, that I got yeah. their opinions about um they said they never really had any issues with John Gruden being racist at all towards them. They never had an issue with the statements or comments that he made. And then especially as Ethan brought up, like it was 10 years ago, like we're in different times now. Why should we be getting punished for the sins that we committed 
way back when. Like, obviously, he's a changed man now. If you were to ask him if he felt that same way about that person, I promise you, he wouldn't say the same thing. It's like we grow as people, but I mean, it's just very, very annoying to me the way the NFLs handled the whole situation and how they try to deem themselves in this like better light. Like, it, the bad luck on Goodell overall and the NFL. You know, what? I want to go through Goodell's emails. Yeah, let's see what the fuck. Let's see what the fuck. Let's see what the fuck that asshole said. I hate yeah. him. I hate him more than. Yeah, we're gonna get moving on because I can talk about the Gruden thing forever. All I gotta say is the same thing I said last time. When those emails were sent, I was in fifth grade. That's how long ago this was. Enough said there. Moving on. So something, some good coming out of the NFL since we just bashed it so long. The NFL is looking to possibly review roughing the passer, which I am, by the way, a ginormous fan of this. Huge fan. Huge Why? fan. You don't like that? No, I don't. Because I think at this point you're just overanalyzing everything. Yeah, but right. I think the it, roughing the passer call is, is too hardcore right now. So I think you either dialed it back and go back to normal roughing the passer, or if you're going to keep it hardcore, review it. It's a good solution if they're going to be stupid. Fight stupid with stupid, man, you know? If, if you're going to bring back reviewing for roughing the passers the same way they tried to do for reviewing the defensive, defensive and offensive pass interference, the time is now to implement a sky judge. We, um, we saw a report earlier this week released. Mm-hmm. They thought about the possibility of bringing in a sky judge and having them make quicker decisions on the field to kind of speed up the pace of play. Can you explain what that is, just so everyone understands what that is? So the Sky Judge in an NFL game is pretty much a referee that gets an overhead view of the games at all times. They can look back at replays instantly. And so for small, dinky fouls, like you have pass interferences, roughing the passers, holding calls, stuff like that, you could have a ref that rather than throw a pat, throw a flag and have the on, uh, on-field officials discuss it and waste some time, you have a guy that literally can buzz in down to the field and say, hey, this is a penalty – call a time or stop the play before the play happens and force the penalty. That would be so much better than having what we have now and what we're seeing, not only with um, excessive celebration, not only with rucking the passer, defensive PI holding. Um, we're just, we're trying to implement all these safety issues within the league and we're trying to um, fix those as they are. But one of the biggest proponents of the game that we have an issue with is this pace of play. We want to get games out faster. We want players. I think that, but see, I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I think that imp- nine over there. <laughs> well, but I I think implementing a, a sky raft in this case, what the fuck you call it, is gonna slow the game down more. I mean, like how was he gonna, just gonna point everything out like this, that, and the other? Like there needs to be a traditional flag thrown, and otherwise, I mean, it, it's gonna slow. I think it's gonna slow the game down more. You're gonna have somebody up top just radioing down, "Hey, this is a penalty. Stop this!" Like no, like. It, it, there needs to be, you know, I think it needs to be blatantly obvious. I think that the game should be played the traditional way. I think it's a great idea, um, but it's going to have to be executed perfectly to be to work perfectly. I think the best example we saw of it, and even though it was for a short time, was in the AFL. They implemented a sky judge, and mainly what they used them for wasn't for like the penalties we saw on field, but. For any of the review stuff, reviews could get done in 30 seconds flat because you had a guy in a room that rather than have the official on field walk over, stand in a little box, look at an iPad on the field, 
you have a guy that literally gets every possible angle of it and as much slow-mo as he wants up in a booth and can re like relay that down to the field immediately and say like, yep, catch, no catch. Don't waste your time. Now, now that aspect of it, I like though, like, you know, you can eliminate having this ref have to go over to, you know, to review in the booth. You can eliminate that aspect of it. But I think from, you know, standpoint of calling out penalties um, from being up there, I think that is just going to, that I think that'll be a drastic, drastic change to how the game's played. I think the, the ultimate solution is just go back to regular football and stop being pansies. No more helmets. Start beating the <laughs> shit out of everyone. Leather caps just run at each other. Bingo. <laughs> That'd be awesome. So yeah, that's that's that. Just a quick recap to wrap up the NFL. What happened this weekend or this past week? Excuse me. We had Thursday night football. The Dolphins shut down the Ravens, twenty-two to ten. That's insane. Literally insane. Their defense came in play. Lamar had no answer. He couldn't use his feet. They, they contained him very well. And they got tw- the Dolphins scored 22 points. Yeah, I lost that bet. Yeah. Anything to say about that game, Zach? Um, really, I didn't think – like, after I watched the game, because I was working that night, but before I got the chance to rewatch, um, I was expecting a lot of slander on Lamar Jackson. But after um, rewatching it, I think it was just a huge failure on the offensive game planning from the Ravens. I mean, you literally saw from the first snap that the Dolphins were going to blitz. They were bringing the house almost every time. And rather than run RPOs, quick pass schemes to try to get the ball out of Lamar's hand, get your receivers in space, let them make a play. You just had these deep shots and play action passes to try to take advantage of them over the top. You saw it didn't work in the first half. Why are you going to try to do that the whole game? Make your proper adjustments when needed. Um, I forget the OC's name for the Ravens uh, top of my head right now, I'm blanking, but um, I feel like he has to do a better job of switching the game plan come halftime. You got to make your proper adjustments. Lamar is that caliber QB where you can trust him. Greg Roman. If shit isn't going right, you can go. His name is Greg Roman. Oh, Greg Roman. Yeah. Greg Roman definitely has to step it up. Like that just can't happen. And then on top of that, they release uh, Le'Veon Bell this week. Gone. Yeah. Well, oh, Freeman, Devontae Freeman's been eating for them, though. Yeah, but, I mean, you paid him a decent amount of money, and now you're just saying at the door, like, also don't really see the point in that. Like, you could have that dude. That. that dude should have just stayed at Pittsburgh, stopped bitching and complaining, and he could have made a Hall of Fame career. Dude, I don't think he cares about that, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously not, but I'm just saying. 100%. You got a point there. You Next really up, should've. we got the Patriots slaughter, slaughter the Browns. 45 to seven. Zach, I'll let you take this one away. All you boss. Yeah. So what you're seeing out of this game um, for what I want to talk about is you have the Baker Mayfield circle of life, which is you play (laughs) competition. You get fucking shit on. (laughs) You ridicule by the media, which is the underdog mentality. And from the underdog mentality, you have the shit on a less inferior opponent, which next week they play a shit opponent. So he will shit on them and then back to superstar status. And then we will go play good and et cetera. That's what you got out of Baker Mayfield this week. And I think he's starting to get exposed for the type of quarterback he is. Um, I love the dude personality wise. I think he is great for the sport, but at the same time, you're trying to build a winning culture in Cleveland and you had a guy, for a year or two, but I don't think he might be the answer in the long term. 
Um, on the other side of things, though, you're seeing Belichick finally open the floodgates with Mac Jones. You're taking some shots when you need to. I know you still want to implement the Josh McDaniels dink and dunk thing, but um, it's really back to the old Belichick way. Just have a dominant defense and then just have a quarterback that can game manage, keep you within games that you need to slow the other team down or just pull away like they did last time. I mean, it was an all-around great showing. I mean, I love this. I saw this game happen in this way. I did. I called this game. I called this fucking game. I knew this was going to happen this way. Mac Jones, Mark Marwitz, he's going to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. The kid's got it. He's got it. Belichick's got it. He knows how to develop these kids. And I think the Patriots are a much better team than we all think. I just think they ha- I just don't think they didn't were able to really piece it together until now. And I think come now, this, you know, the rest of the season coming up, I think I, I expect a run out of them. I expect a big, big push out of the Patriots. I mean, I just love Mac Jones. I love him. I love him. Another, so I I think he I think he is honestly showing he's probably one of the best out of the draft from the draft class. If you look at the Patriots opening the season, they had a loss to Miami, which they should have won, but they fumbled within the red zone. They win that game, and they had another game where they had one turnover. Um, Bucks, Bucks game. Yeah, they had two games not counting the Bucks game where literally it was one turnover away from winning. You look at that, they win those two games, they're at the top of the division. The division's still up for grabs. Buffalo isn't running away with it. I think it's still theirs to lose at this point, but um, – I think this Patriot team finally found their identity and they're moving in the right directions. Things are clicking at the right time. I mean, Jacoby Myers finally got his first NFL touchdown. Dude, out of 153 catches in the NFL before recording a single touchdown. Are you kidding me? Like, that just doesn't happen. But now you finally got guys buying in. Um, you got weapons on the defensive and offensive side. I really like what I'm seeing out of them. Um, it's going to be a really interesting playoff race this year. I think a lot of teams could be in the mix. Yeah, so the the backpedal, I I agree with both everything you guys said. Um, the backpedal is a little bit what Zach started off the the topic with. I I was a diehard, still am diehard Baker Mayfield guy. I love Baker Mayfield. Um, he the reason I like Baker Mayfield is the same reason why I like Michael Chandler in the UFC. Because when they graduated high school, they were no different than what we were. They were walk-ons in their sport. They literally just went to a Division One school. They paid to go to school there, and the the coach let them practice the squad. You know, obviously, granted, they're probably a little bit better than than my what, the level I was, but they were they. I can relate to them. You know, so seeing a guy like Baker succeed is awesome because he's doubted on, he gets shit on. One of the most fun college football players to ever watch, regardless of your opinion on him. The man, Oklahoma has not been as legit of a contender since he's been there. That's how much of an impact he had when That's he came true. to the Browns. When he came to the Browns, he did what they needed him to do. He got them out of a drought. He got them to the playoffs. He got them with winning records. I think he was the perfect guy for that. But now you know where you're at. I don't think he's the guy to, to jump that now. I think he's going to stay there. And it's, it, I hate saying that because I hate when people shit on Baker. But it's, it's getting harder and harder each season to fight for his case. You know, it really is, especially when you've got guys like Odell – regardless if he was being a pussy about it or not, wanting to not play for you. You know what I mean? Like, that that's where it's getting hard. And on the on the other side of things, uh, going to what Ethan talked about with Mac Jones, 
I was FaceTiming Zach during the draft, and I said it to him right there. I was like, I think Mac Jones might be the most slept-on pick in this draft, most slept-on. Because the thing I like about Mac Jones is he he was a high recruit. But this man is so fucking disciplined and believes in himself so fucking much that he was willing to go to Alabama and sit for four years before starting a game because he understood that he was that disciplined to get good enough and he believed in himself that he knew once his time was up, he was going to be there. That that has Belichick written all over it, all over it. It's literally just caution tape to Belichick. Like, that's the dream child for him. You know, I, I think Mac Jones is going to do unbelievably well. He's got a great size. He's even lost his funniness. If you look at the interviews, he has. He has. That's for hates sure. his life, which is perfect. <laughs> it's perfect if you're Belichick. That's what you want. He what hates his life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think it's perfect. I think he's going to do a great job. He's a very good yes man, which is what Belichick wants, and that's what he needs to be successful. You know, and you, you see a lot of guys go in a little arrogant because they were the hot shit in college. This is the NFL, man. This is a wake-up call. Mac Jones took that hit chant off for the Dolphins, and it's had a fucking come-up since. So good for Mac Jones. Baker, I want you to prove me wrong, baby. Please prove me wrong. Next up, we got Lions and Steelers tie 16-16. to I think the NFL needs to go to the college football overtime rule. That's the elephant in the room, I believe. Well, let's just say the wheels have fallen off uh, the Steelers hype train, if there was any at all. I mean, Big Ben is as done as done gets. Um, we see what a properly aging quarterback looks like and Big Big Ben, and then we see anomalies like Tom Brady. But um, Ben's had a great career. It's obviously just time to call it quits, obviously. Um but I think it is the right move for him to keep him in just because I don't think any of you got any of the guys they have behind him definitely aren't the answer. Mason Rudolph, absolutely not. Josh Dobbs, if he's still there, I'd like to see Josh Dobbs get a chance. I mean, that was one of my favorite stories coming out of college, but um, I don't think he's got that much in him either. Um, the Lions are just going to Lions, I guess. I mean, I don't think they could win a game if they tried at this point. Like, I don't even. Whew, that is a bad. Meach said it best last. Sorry to interrupt you, Zach. Meach said it best last podcast. They are the best winless team ever. They are. They're really not bad. I mean, they're not great, but they're not like a Detroit terrible team. They just have such bad fucking luck, dude. Such All bad right. luck. All right, you're, you're taking a. You're giving them a little too much credit. They lost that. three games on a game-winning field goal, and they had an overtime overtime draw with the Steelers. I, I get it. They should still have a win or two. Still makes them the one of the fucking worst teams in the NFL this year, besides, you know, the Texans or, or the Jets per usual. Or the Eagles. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Don't talk about the Eagles that way, because you know the Eagles are on a roll now. And I you just... watch this week when they kill the Saints. And I mean kill. Mark my words. Parlay this. The over the money line and add in there, add in there, Jalen Hurts, anytime touchdown score. Mark my words. Book it. You locking it? Locking it. All right, we're locking it. I like that. I'll, I'll, t- I'll take your word on that. Uh, I think, but, but regardless of the of the game and regardless of the Steelers and, and Lions, because I, I, let's be honest, I don't really give a fuck about both those teams. I was talking more in the aspect of, like, entertainment-wise. I think for the players and for us as the fans, 
it is way better if there's no draws. It's, it's so much. The Penn State-Illinois game went into nine overtimes, and I was literally losing my shit. It was so much fun to watch. Like, that's what you need. Like, like dude, you're paying these guys millions of dollars to what? To, you want them to play less? Like, dude, Najee Harris, all those guys were like, dude, we were ready. Jamal uh, Williams, they were like, yo, we were ready to keep going. Like, let's just keep playing football. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, it's so stupid, bro. Like, that's a superstar. That's a superstar. And the problem is, too, is, I guarantee you the NFL knows it's stupid, but they're still motherfucking stubborn. They won't change it. No, nah, I'm sorry. If you tie after overtime, you both should get a loss. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think that's better than having the dash one on your record. Yeah, literally. I promise you teams would try so much harder in overtime if they both knew they were going to lose. Like They'd they would- go for it on fourth down for fucking once. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, yeah, we'll just run it out. Like, we're fucked. We're deep in our own territory. There's no point. Like, nah, you're still going to lose this game, buddy. You better score some points. But mm-hmm. – one of the things I wanted to go back to, Grayson, you mentioned about Detroit losing three games by less by a field goal. Um, what that shows me is you have the right people in charge. You just don't have the players to really showcase what they have. Uh, really not a lot of talent, but they're still competing with teams like the Ravens. They're still competing with teams like the Steelers. And I, I think it was the Vikings they lost to the other one. Um I think the pieces are there. You finally have a coach that the players believe in and the fan base is behind. I know it's tough losing all these hard games for now, um, especially as a Detroit fan. You should get used to it. I mean, come on. Your time will come eventually, but just deal with the rough stuff right now. I think you're moving in the right direction, which I thought I'd never say, especially in Detroit's sake, because nothing ever good happens out of Detroit. But um, I feel like they're going places. I think Dan Campbell is the greatest person they could have ever gotten for that job. So that, this. that's what we're going to wrap up with the NFL right now. Let's talk about – so a lot of crazy things happened with the NFL to talk about. I feel like college football, for some reason, this week, dude, has just been insane. You know, starting it off two weeks ago, we get University of Florida, right? a team that came into the season ranked 12th. Last year was probably a loss or two away from being in the college football playoffs. Very, very well-renowned program at, at the University of Florida. Not having a good season. Two weeks ago, they get beat by South Carolina 40-17. to 17. This results in the firing of their defense coordinator, Todd Graham. Excuse me. God, Todd Gratham, Grantham, Grantham, I don't know. And offensive line coach, John Hevesy. This week, they barely survived 3-5 and five Sanford, 70-52 to 52 at home. This was the most amount of points scored on them at halftime and the most amount of points ever scored in the swamp against them. So they get Dan Mullen, all right? There's all these high hopes, all this, oh, dude, we're going to be so good. And he did a very good job in the beginning. But, dude, they got to get – they. I, I'm not even talking as in like a, being an anti-Gator fan. I, I'm being just straight up. They got to get rid of him. He is destroying that program. I don't care how bad your team is. If you're the University of Florida – Sanford should not be putting 52 on you at home. Like, bro. Not only that, he is getting dog-walked in the recruiting trail. And yeah. I mean, you look at uh, Miami, they are not a very good recruiting school. They're not pulling in a lot of talent. You got Florida, who has fallen off tremendously. And then you have Mike Norvell, who's stepping it up, actually, and pulling in some four and five stars. You're – where you are at at Florida, you have to show that you are the top dog in the state of Florida. You cannot 100%. Be, not be losing the recruiting battle to these other schools. 
Like it just can't be happening. You're an SEC school. You play with the top dogs year in, year out, especially now with the players getting paid. I mean, you've got to be bringing guys in. They got to be wanting to make money, especially off your name and brand. Florida, you should be like, come on. What are you doing? 100%. You should be ranked every year. Yeah. Every year. You're in SEC school, like you said. You are in the best division in college football right now. I mean, there's just no excuse for it at that point. You're, you're UF, a world-renowned program. I mean, and you can't pull in the recruits that you need. And you can't win games that you need to win. And let alone win, but destroy these fucking guys. I mean, you're, you're, you got young players that you need to build confidence in. And these guys are four or five-star recruits, if they can get them. I mean... I think there's going to be a whole rebuilding phase for UF now. They're going to, they're really going to have to dump a lot into their, their program in the next coming years. I just think it's weird because like, this seems like it seems well, first things first, uh, going on recruiting, you know, they asked Dan Mullen, they were like, yo, why haven't you been recruiting hard? Why have you been like doing well in recruiting? And he, his, his statement was it's football season. It's not recruiting season. Recruitment like, 365, like, baby. Kirby Smart was like, isn't the best time to recruit football players during football? But also, on top of that, too, not even just Dan Mullen, but as as the University of Florida football program, I feel like this is a trend for years. They just don't get recruits. And what I don't understand is you're in you're in Florida. You're in the you're in the SEC. All right. You have you have an amazing fan base. All the other sports at your school are good too. And you have beautiful girls. The campus is, is it's all right. It's not gorgeous but like i mean you're you in Butterfuck gainesville how do you not it's a good academic school as well if you get a degree from the university of florida it's very beneficial how are you not getting the best guys every year i don't understand why they always have issues recruiting like every year that, it's like oh we had this we could have just gotten this kid if we could you should be getting all of them because you what you're gonna get kid. you're gonna pick dan mullen and the gators this past season over nick saban in alabama or, I mean, even Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss right now? I mean, I, No, but I'm saying historically as a football program, I would pick UF over, over Ole Miss. Yes. But it seems like they always have recruiting issues. I don't understand it. They have so much to offer to a young athlete. I don't go talk, if we're going to keep talking about coaches on the downfall, let's go to Nebraska. Scott Frost will remain for Nebraska. As the I love Scott Frost. The mm. team parted ways. They kept Scott Frost. They parted ways with offense coordinator Matt Lubick. Offensive line coach Greg Austin, running backs coach Ryan Heldon, QB's coach Mario Verd Uzuko. He is uh, Scott Frost, 15 and 27 in Nebraska, and he's not had a season better than five and seven. Granted, he got this team when they were probably lower than dirt, but he has not made them anything higher than dirt. I'll tell you that. The grass? I mean, like, come on. Scott Frost, I think, is a great great coach you see what he did with UCF when he was there you see this isn't seven years ago bro that wasn't seven years ago that was what three years ago it was when no it was like five years ago he's on his he's on his fifth year at, at Nebraska I mean regardless I think he has it I don't think that he's surrounding himself with with the best opportunity I think the dude's got a great football mind I think he knows what he's doing at the end of the day there comes a time where you got again, you got to surround yourself with the best people, and you got to know when you can relinquish some power and keep some power. And I think he's got to use everything and not just himself. So 
for what if you don't know too much about him, he has a, like a no yell policy with his guys. Like he doesn't like they don't shit on their guys. They don't talk down on them. Like everything they do is like uplifting. And I think, I I, I think all right. My my take on Scott Frost is confusing because there's so many parts. I think the issue came before he even took the job. Personally, I think when he was at UCF, the reason why everything worked is because he had these guys that are two and three star guys. They they were Owens. 14 when he got them on 12 like so like his uh, uplifting motto and all this stuff was like really good for those guys and it helped them and it, it, it pushed them but I think when he went to Nebraska he, he, he bit a little more than he could chew you know he's an alumni that's his dream everything was going so well at UCF he thought it just translate over but this is Big Ten football now dude and you're getting a Nebraska team that's not what it used to be kids aren't wanting to go to Nebraska to play football you know it's a lot it's honestly easier to recruit to UCF than it is Nebraska you know minus the power five attachment but, like, I just think – I think there's a difference of being an asshole as a coach and there's a difference of giving tough love. And sometimes you got to give tough love, especially when you're in his scenario. And I think that he's just not – he is a wicked, smart football mind. He gives you very – a lot of similarities to uh, Sean McVay. But just because you know football doesn't make you a good coach. You know, that, that's the thing. I, I just – I like the dude as a guy, and I think he'd be a great uh, analyst when he's older. When he, when he retires, I don't think he's that good of a head coach. You make some good points there. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it's another one of those things where it's just like, it's a non-power football or yeah, non-power five football mind. Like he's going to do amazing if you put him at a three-star school like UCF or uh, American, uh, American conference. I'm forgetting some of the other conferences, Sunbelt, stuff like that. Like you put him in those conferences, he's going to dominate. Like his mind is just vastly superior to everyone else in his field. But when you put them up against Nick Saban's, you put them up against uh, Lane Kiffin's, like you're just not going to be able to compete. Like you're not, especially on like Christ, Ryan Day, the horrible. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. And um, I know we want to use that power five stigma to kind of like raise his availability, what prospects he should be able to bring in. But you got to look at the school in Nebraska itself. I would much rather go to a shittier Northwestern school than to live in fucking Nebraska. I promise you that I, I have not met one person in my life from Nebraska. Never have. I don't even think it's real. If you were to ask me personally, like have not met anyone from there. That's the school in corn. That's it. <laughs> Seriously. In the middle of nowhere, freezing your ass off. Yeah. Literally fly you out on a crop duster in the middle of cornfield. <laughs> the, the children are in the corn. And then you get to campus and you're like, what the fuck? Where am I? And then you're like, yeah, I'd much rather go somewhere else where I could actually enjoy my life. But um, we could joke about all we, all we want, but I, I agree with you, Grayson. I just think he's not great analyst, just not a great football mind for Power Five. Yeah. Next. All right, so this isn't like that insane, but it's kind of insane. Texas loses at home to Kansas 57 to 56 in overtime. So they actually went down 21 to zero, came back, and then in overtime, Texas scored first, got their touchdown and their field goal. Then Kansas scored, and they're like, we're going for two. The kid that caught the ball was a walk-on fullback that never played before, got in, and his first play ever, he catches an overtime touchdown to beat Texas at Texas. I would just like to say that the football gods have blessed us by absolutely dogging Texas and Oklahoma for their move to the SEC. You wanted to play with the big boys, and you can't even beat the Chihuahuas in your own division. Like, nobody out of those schools right there. They deserve no praise. I hope they struggle on the recruiting trail for the next 
50 years, Texas will never be back. And boomer sooner, you can, you can get the fuck out. You're oh, down. down. You're done. The big time this way. I mean, you, you call that on the nail. They're going to, they have no recruiting shot. Zero. Yeah. Bro, and that's, and like, and like, so first I'm going to read, first I'm going <clears> to <throat> go on this and I'll read some statistics from the game. <clears throat> Dude, I feel like the, the jump to them going to the SEC was nothing but uh, pettiness. Straight pettiness. Straight, oh, you guys think we're not good enough? We can prove to you we're good enough. Well, obviously fucking not because both Texas and Oklahoma suck right now. The Big 12 sucks right now. You know, and like, it's so petty and it's so dumb and it's changed, already changed so much in the sport. And it's going to change everything in every sport, <clears throat> all the other sports as well. And it's just, it's fucking petty. And, and I'm glad that they're getting these repercussions. I'm glad because if they can't beat these, these teams that are the worst in the Big 12, how are they supposed to beat the worst in the SEC? They won't. They, they are the worst in the SEC. They're going to be the worst for years yeah. and years and years and years to come. You will never, ever see them be ranked. Especially when they're playing, as when they're in the SEC. I mean, it, it'll never happen. These teams are, their programs are gonna, they're gonna fall. I, I mean, it's 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 gonna hurt them so much. I think, in, especially in the in the short term and in the long term. I think it's gonna hurt them with recruiting the most because, like, uh, what Zach Zach was telling me when it first happened, they're not SEC school, culture schools. They're not they're they're not like an SEC school. They're a Midwest school, and. A lot of the kids that play in the SEC are from Florida. They're from Georgia. They're from Alabama. They're from Virginia. They're from the South. So you're bringing this this kid from the South that wants to stay in the South, who wants to keep the Southern culture. You're not getting that at Oklahoma and Texas. So not only are you playing worse, it's going to be even harder for you to get these kids now. You know? I would actually respect Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC if they ever posted a fucking season where they didn't allow 30 points per game. Where the fuck are you going to get defense going to the SEC? Because I promise you, you are not going to see air raid and spread offenses as much in the SEC. You are going to see some big linemen down in the trenches, and they will run through you. And Sam Ellinger can run for his life all he wants. You can bring in – you can have Caleb Williams run for his life all he wants. You can bring in these playmakers on offense. If you do not have a stout defense in the SEC, you are making it nowhere. And we see that from Georgia. uh, We see that from Georgia this year. Best defense we've seen in a long time, but that's what puts them as the best in the SEC right now. It's the team with the best defense that's going to win you that conference. It's a team with the best defense that's going to keep them the other team. But it's always it's always a defense. It's always overlooked. It's always a defense. Defenses win you games. They win you championships. And it's it's everything. I just think it's the thing is I feel like going back to the pettiness. I think their mindset was like, well, our offense is so good. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how our defense like we play at a high pace. The problem is they're going to slow you down. They're going to make you play some boring A to B in between the gaps football, and your team's going to get beat the fuck up. You know what I mean? And Oklahoma, some years were able to make it happen in postseason because it's one game, but they can't do it week in, week out. There's no way they can consistently do that. Their guys are going to get destroyed, destroyed. That's why you see these upsets from, like, Kansas and TCU and Baylor even. Um, You have these teams that go in expecting high – scoring games and guess what you turn the ball over two to three times in that game i promise you you're not gonna have a chance you cannot lose the turnover margin and expect to win games in college football especially in the nfl but college football specifically the turnover margin is one of the biggest things and if you're relying on your offense to not turn the ball over as much 
just so your defense can luckily get a player to, that's just not going to win you quality football games. Um, I will say one of the biggest joys I got out of the Texas Kansas game was after the fact the videos that came out of the Texas recruits laughing at Texas as they lost the game that brought me so much joy because that's literally the player's biggest like yeah you thought I was coming here you will never see me again I'm going to the SEC I'm going to the real SEC now you will never see my face again. yeah they had five recruits there front row <laughs> moving on we got Baylor assistant coach Joey McGuire come to new head coach at Texas Tech this is something we were talking about maybe for Gary Patterson obviously not gonna gonna happen now Crazy thing that I read from Carl Reed at 247 Sports. Shout out, Carl. He said, I have two good sources telling me that Texas A&M head coach Jimbo Fisher is the top target for LSU, but not as the head football coach, but as the athletic director. If Jimbo goes from fucking over Florida State to fucking over Texas A&M, he will by far be the stupidest man in history. I mean, you are doing so well with Texas A&M. You are moving in the right direction. Why would, again, you just back out on that? Like, why? Like, Money, you, bro. Have it, you yeah, have it. I, athletic director there. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a different ballpark of bread. No yeah, that's, that's night and day almost. That, uh, for me, that would just show that, like, you've lost your love for football. Jimbo games. also has coached at LSU. He's got LSU ties. I, mean, I, 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 I tell you what I would do. I'm fucking out of it. I'm getting my bag. <laughs> yeah. If we want to talk about it, one of the biggest reasons he left Florida State was for what what was it, his son's illness and how like based on like heart is a heart, like a heart bad yeah, heart. He one heart. Of the biggest reasons for going to Texas AM is they had a medical facility that offered his treatment so close by. And I'm like, all right, well, do they have that in Louisiana? Is that why you're going this time? You don't think if he gets hired as an athletic director at LSU, they'll make sure he's got a nurse. You don't think they'll they'll come up for it? I would have thought they would have fucking done that at Florida State. We were doing so well, and we were like, nah, buddy, like, see you later. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I thought, you know, I won't talk about being head coach, but athletic director is just like, whoo. I don't know. Text. LSU, man, they're in a weird spot right now, especially with all the stuff going around with letting Ed walk after this year. I mean, definitely not the best place to walk into, but if he wants to take on that challenge, hey, man. Go for it. He's he's already. Yeah. I, don't I also think it was the wrong decision on LSU to let him walk. I, oh yeah, I, no, I mean, but you know, do you know the reason why they let him walk? Like you know the the, the reason. Yeah. What what was he he was bringing his you know the girls he was dating the kids to the practices or whatever. Yeah, right, but whatever. Like, but like not just like all the time. Like they were always there. You know what? Who cares? It's not. It's not like they were. You know, it's not like he was destroying the program. The dude. He was letting them dress up in LSU gear and practice with the players. Who cares? He's, he's in Louisiana. Who cares? He likes, he, likes, he likes his crawl dads and his women. I mean, like, what, what, what do you mean? Hey, He'll get a job somewhere, though. He'll get a job. Saying is, Coach McDaniels at Blue Mountain State won four natties. And I'm- <laughs> I, le- I like where you went with that. Yeah, I like that. He did a lot. Uh, TCU, TCU got rid of Gary Patterson. Big thing we talked about the other day. Everyone at TCU is saying they want Deion Sanders. Running back Zach Evans said, quote, unquote, we want Deion. And also, Sanders had an interview, and it reportedly went better than expected. Do we see Deion making the jump to be a 
Division One Power Five head coach at TCU. I swear to God, if Deion Sanders is not the head coach of Florida State football within the next five years, we have the biggest issue as a school. He made Florida State, and he will remake Florida State as a football coach to bring him in. I thought the whole reason he wanted to get into coaching was to work up his resume to get to the Florida State job. If he ends up turning around and going to TCU, I would love that for him. I would love to see him get that shot. But I think that would be a huge disservice to Florida State fans and himself because I thought that was his end goal, end goal, end goal all along. But, um, I mean, if that job opens up for him, great job by TCU pulling him in. I think that is the perfect players coach, not only from just like game planning and actually having a good football mind. Obviously, he's done that. He's one of the greatest defensive players of all time. But to have him as a recruiter, that does so many things for your program, especially now with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. That is your time to step up and take over that conference. That is the right move to make. They need him. They need him. That's it. My my thing is, he's at Mississippi State, or excuse me, well, Jackson State in Mississippi. And I love Dion, one of the best of all time, Florida State Seminole. Big Dion guy. Does he actually coach though, or is he just the face? Oh no, no, no! That's my He's thing. A coach. He no, no, is listen, a listen, listen. coach. My thing is though, I'm not saying he doesn't coach. He doesn't help out by. I don't know if he's really the brains behind everything, or he's just the face behind everything because of recruiting and like stuff like that. I don't know if he actually knows the ins and outs. I don't know if he could run an actual big program. I think he could be a great defensive coordinator, great recruitment. I think he could be a good value to a coaching staff. I don't know if he could be the head of a power five. I want to see him get his shot. I, I would love to. And I'd love him to prove me wrong. I'd love Dion. I'm just you, talking you, my personal opinion. That, you put the pressure on Dion, I guarantee you he outshines everyone. I think he is the way you turn that a program that program around from where it is now. I, I really think that. I think that he is the answer. Yeah. It would be great to see him there. And it's fucking Deion Sanders. Yeah. No, like, I think your players alone are just going to look at him and be like, I'm listening to you. Yeah. Like, I'm going to listen to you. You can't doubt the fucking guy. He's proved himself in m- many, many more, you know, in, in numerous amounts of ways. You know, you, you go in there with Deion Sanders and it's game over. It's game over. It's a new program, recruiting's up, everything. Everything. He changes I- the entire game. That goes, um, Grayson, to what you said about we not knowing if he could compete at the Power 5 level. I haven't heard or seen a knock from his coaching prowess. Like, I haven't really seen anyone say that, like, oh, like, it's really just his personality. Like, he really doesn't know what he's doing. Like, a lot of people respect him as a coach at Jackson State. Now, whether that be because his recruits are really talented and uplift his game plan even more than what his original intentions were, um, that's up to be delivered. I, I just really think that for him, that's not a mind you can keep at that level. Like that's not a personality, a football mind that you hold down to the FCS. Like you've got to have that at the top of the game, whether or not in the NFL college level, like we need that person in big time football. Well, think about if you're, if you're TCU or if you're any, any program that brings in a guy like, not even like Dion, a guy that brings in Dion. 
you, not only does your football team benefit, your entire school benefits. I never even heard of the school Jackson State until Dion got there. Then they get these Nike deals and or these Under Armour deals. They have the Nike jerseys in FCS now. Everyone's talking about them. They got a top 100 recruiting class as an FCS program. That's never happened in the history of sports. You know, Dion goes there. He's on campus every day. Kids like us who don't play football but love football are going to apply to TCU because Dion's there. You know, it been, he's going to bring in so much attention and money to the school, which is something, let's be honest, TCU hasn't had in a very long time. In a very long time. No one's talking about TCU football. I would say uh, since they had that, uh, the black QB number two, Travion Boykin, that was the last time they were relevant, you know, and that was what, eight years ago, nine years ago? I think the last time I actually remembered them playing a game was when they allowed that like 40 point comeback to Baylor in that bowl game or something like that. No, no, no. They beat, they, they beat Oregon with a 40 point comeback and like oh, yeah, overtime. Yeah, that was the last good thing I heard about them. And then TCU yeah. just fell off the earth. Like, you have no idea what happened. I know. I, I do think I do think there's a lot of benefits. I just don't know if he's if he's going to be able to do it. Also, he has two sons that play at Jackson State. You think he's just going to dip on them? Like, no, you can't. He's, take him with, he's taking them with him. That's no question. Yeah, the money's going to be there as well. UConn hires former UCLA coach Jim Mora. You know, forty-six and thirty coach at forty-six and thirty record as a coach at UCLA over six years. Led the team to four bowl games. Just short, sweet. I like Jim Moore as an analyst. He knows his football in and out. I do not think he's a good head coach. That's my personal opinion on Jim Moore, short and sweet. Yeah, if the Detroit Lions were a college football team, it doesn't get more accurate than the UConn Huskies. I mean, you have literally the worst college football program. Like, I'm pretty sure if you were to fire up NCAA 14, like, that's the team you pick to run a dynasty with to rebuild someone. (laughs) I mean, from the standpoint of hiring a coach – who's accustomed to losing, like, yeah, that's what you want to bring in, then good for you. Um, I get the thought process behind it. Like, oh, let's bring in a guy that's, like, proven against better competition. Like, he knows what it takes to win that high-caliber game. But, yeah, he also knows how to lose those games a lot, too. So let's not try to think he's, like, your all-inspiring savior for your program. Um, Losers tend to attract losers, um, especially on the recruiting trail. So I wouldn't hold him in too high regards, especially for you. Where where you left off where where you said Zach is he is he the Lord and Savior? I don't think it's like they want him. Maybe it's like all they can get. It's fucking UConn. Yeah, well they're also yeah, like and like to be back on that. They're not like, looking, just, they're not looking to be a national champ. They're just looking to make a no. bowl. And, and he's and, a guy and, that maybe they can maybe get into a bowl game. I mean, but what do you but what do you expect out of them too? I mean, like it's not like they're going after some of these top, top, top guys, you know. Yeah, no one in the I, fucking world is going like, I want to grow up to play for UConn. No, I, I think they're holding their – I think, you know, instead of holding their breath and, you know, taking their time, they, they took what they could get, you know. I like that. I, I guess where my issue really comes with is let's say you bring him in with the mentality that, yeah, we're terrible, but you'll maybe get us to a bowl game. Okay, let's say he does maybe get into a bowl game. You're just going to bring in another coach to test him out if he can use his players and then bring in his own if he can try to win. I think the mentality should be to try to keep finding a guy that can win with what you got and then he'll build you better. You're not trying to look for a fill-in guy. I don't believe in finding a fill-in guy unless but you again, figure it out after the fact, but just try to do what you can now. But they're like 1-11 right now. Yeah, and, and this school isn't focused around football. 
I mean, we, it's we a basketball school. Yeah. Exactly. UConn's a basketball school. That's what it is. And they're not going after, you know, top level. They're not, you know, they're not going after top level guys. Just for the fact that they don't, I think they don't give a shit. So if I you're, they care. So and they're realizing what they can get. If you're the AD of the school, would you rather just have like a one in 11 football program or would you rather just cut the program and bring put money into can't cut the program? There's too much money in it. Yeah, 100%. And regardless, good enough money in it, even going 1 and 11, you think they're still making good enough money off that program? I just think 100%. 100%. Yeah, but also, like, like if I'm a college basketball player, regardless if my football team's good or not, I want to go to a school that has a football program. You know, like, I want that, that's cool. You know, I want to go that that's, I want to, college athletes want to be surrounded by more college athletes. That's what they want. Okay, so why not drop down? Why not drop your football program to double it? It doesn't work like that. You'd have to move the whole school like that, though. Yeah. No, it's it's one you program. You can't pick but... and choose which sports or what divisions. Everything is. Yeah. I could have sworn. I'm, no, it's all, it's all one thing. That's I'm why, like, sure. with like, these schools, okay, well, like analyzing some of these schools yeah. going to the SEC and whatnot. Like, you got to look at the whole school in general. Like football, baseball, basketball, swimming, cross country, track, track and field, Everything. all getting moved. Look at Xavier. Xavier basketball program, FBSD one. Xavier's football program is definitely not FBSD one. Do they even have a football program? They do, but it's not FBSD one. That's what I'm saying. UConn needs to make the same move in it, same move as Xavier. Drop their football team down a little lower, so that way, even so though I don't think they have a football program, Xavier doesn't have a football program. I don't know. I'm looking. Look it up. I'm pretty sure. Yes, they, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they, they do. do. And what what did they plan? Bro, no, they don't. The Saint Xavier they, they has a definitely program. Xavier University does not have a college football program. They, they, they no, you're thinking of Villanova, guys. Xavier does not have a football program. Villanova, Villanova. If you want to use your same example, you can use Villanova. Okay, Xavier does not have a football program. Okay, Villanova. Then, sorry, got the two confused. Is Villanova's football program and basketball program in the same division? No. Why couldn't you? But that was due to prior that they they weren't D one. They weren't FBS and then dropped the FCS. They they were already FCS. Okay, then that that would be more understandable. You couldn't drop it. You could elevate. Then I would understand that. Yeah, you could elevate it. Like if they jumped to to FBS, that's that's dope. But I'm pretty sure if they jump, if they went, if UConn went down, it'd have to do because of funding or school population. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think that is what affects it. Is population. So we got a lot going on with this coaching uh, carousel. We got LSU uh, parting ways with Orgeron at the end of the year. Lincoln Riley is the runner up right now. LSU offering Lincoln Riley an eight-year, ninety-six million dollar contract. And Oklahoma boosters announced that they are not going to match this deal, and it's going to either be—is he going to choose money or Oklahoma? Money, 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 money. It's just like, why would you do all this work to move Oklahoma to the SEC and then leave them for an SEC school? It's a win-win. It's a win-win. 100 You know why you can. You will struggle till you die in the SEC and then ruin your reputation. Take the money and go to an already proven school in the SEC. Established program, a good program that can already have recruiting. This is a program that's not going to lose every fucking game like Oklahoma will. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a no- Brainer. Yeah. Also, if, if I'm Lincoln Riley and I'm and I'm in this this situation, I'm 100 percent choosing LSU. 
86 million dollars, bro. 96. 96. And also, when, when when you look at great, like like super good coaches, right? Like you look at guys like like I'm gonna use Steve Spurrier as, as an example. He was not that good of a defense coordinator. He he couldn't run a good defense. He knew that, so he just hired a dog of a defense coordinator. So I feel like if I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm just going to be a grown-ass adult. I'm going to acknowledge, look, I'm not good at coaching defense. So I'm going to go get the best defensive coach I can possibly find, let him completely take it over, and I'm going to bring an Oklahoma style. I'm going to bring an LSU defense with an Oklahoma offense to SEC. That's a powerhouse of a program. Powerhouse of a program. That's what I think he should do, personally. And then try to get Jimbo to be your AD. It's a wrap. LSU's your next Alabama. Yeah, if you get those two together. LSU's your next Alabama. Yeah, LSU is in a prime position in preparing Nick Saban's happy retirement to just send him into the sunset. Yeah. But that's a big if. If if LSU can pull that off after walking away from the Orgeron predicament they have going on, that that's beautiful for them. But like I said – in a world full of ifs and buts, like, come on. I, I just don't think it's all paradise over there. I don't see it working out on both ends. So continuing with the coaching carousel, we also got Virginia Tech fires Justin Fuente, something I thought that was going to happen years ago. FIU and Butch Davis, everyone knows Butch Davis. Uh, he was a coach for the U when they were during that crazy run through the dollars national championships. It was at FIU. He left FIU this week. He said he's fed up with the school and program because they're just not helping him. They obviously just don't care. So he's yeah. out. Washington fires Jimmy Lake. You know, the incident that happened the other day with him hitting a player with a clipboard. USC has no one. Washington State fired their coach for COVID. TCU got no one. They got rid of Gary Patterson. Miami Athletic Director just fired Blake James. I'm assuming Manny Diaz is out the door. So I feel like this is the most open coaching carousel that since I've been following college football since I was, what, nine, nine or ten, that – it's, it's so it, – like, the, the schools that are open are schools like LSU, Virginia Tech, Washington, Washington State, USC, TCU, Miami. These are schools that, are like, at times were the best team in the country. Like they, they're programs that can be rebuilt to be dynasties again. It's like – usually it's like one big school, a bunch of mediocres. We're seeing a bunch of big schools at one time all have openings. You know, it's like th- – this is something that can actually, like, completely change the dynamic of college football if, if the right coaches are put into place. You know, it's going to be an interesting, interesting, interesting offseason, I think. You know, uh, I don't think a bunch of these coaches are going to get hired, per se, right away. I think you're going to have a lot of intern coaches and, and so forth. But anything, anything can happen. If, if that's what we can see, anything can happen. You never know. There's going to be a curveball. Something's going to happen. I just think – I think what – if I'm one of these big schools, right, like I'm one of the big ones that I think what I'm going to do – is I'm attacking a, a younger, hungrier coach over an old vet that keeps failing. Because I feel like that's the trend now. The, the, I, it's not working anymore. Yeah, but, you know, it depends who you are and, and, and how you want your program to be run, right? Like, at the end of the day, like, it's not like you're coaching the NFL. This is a school. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's, it's a school. You know, it's not an NFL team. It's not just this sole entity revolved around one thing. You know, you need someone who's going to not only, you know, represent the team and, and help them win, but you're also representing a school that's, 
it's just more than that. I mean, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting to see who, who, who comes in and who leaves. I, I think the biggest thing I've started to notice is like, we're seeing the beginning stages of a ripple effect um, within uh, what effect, Zach? I couldn't hear you. Sorry, we're like starting to focus, or we're starting to notice the ripple effects okay. of um, players starting to make money off their own names. We saw the first shift come when schools are trying to switch conferences. Um, we saw Oklahoma uh, and Texas move out. We saw teams coming in. I think it was Conference USA accepted a lot of teams. And um, the AAC, too. And the AAC. Everything. Everyone's. Everything. That, that, that needed to happen. That was all inevitable. And everything is starting to shift really fast. Like we're starting to notice coaching changes happening right away. Like people aren't getting as long of a chance to stay within one school. Like if you're failing off that, like you're out of there. Like there is no trial by fire. There is no um, figured out years. Like they there's were- an abundance of coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't blame them. Um, I'd wish some coaches would get longer chances, but then again, I also wish some coaches would stay longer and build the programs they have. But I mean, if coaches aren't staying loyal, then I don't expect colleges to stay loyal either. Um, I think this is just the first of many changes to come. We're going to see a lot of changes the next two, three years within college football. Like low key is all domino effect of Oklahoma and Texas too. Like, like, it just contributes. It really is, though. Yeah. That was like the biggest thing coming out of this season. Like, regardless of how everyone finishes college football playoff, like the biggest thing used to be the college football playoff. Like that was the biggest issue, top of the thing. Immediately once the news came out that Texas and Oklahoma wanted to leave, everyone had something to say about it. Like they were like terrible for what the game is uh, stands for and what it's about. Like we have these conferences for a reason, and now it's all literally just a powerhouse. It's literally just a power ranking of conferences at this point. Yeah, so let's actually great, great setup into that, Zach. Let's go over the, the playoff rankings. In our top 10, we got Wake Forest at 10, Oklahoma at 9, Notre Dame at 8, Michigan at 7, Mich- excuse me, Michigan State at 7, Michigan at 6, Cincinnati at 5, Ohio State at 4, Oregon at 3, Bama at 2, UGA at 1. So I just got two quick things uh, I want to say about this, and then I'll let you guys uh, give your opinions on these rankings. The first thing I want to say is there is no trend. There is no trend whatsoever with these rankings this year at all. At first, it was like, oh, if you beat this person, regardless if you had a shitty loss. Example, Exhibit A, we were like, Oregon is going to always stay ahead of Ohio State because Oregon beat Ohio State, regardless of Oregon losing to to a shitty Stanford team, right? Well, then they put Michigan in front of Michigan State, and Michigan State literally beat Michigan. Like, that makes – I don't understand that at all. That makes no sense to me. And then the next thing is – so, look, every time we talk about this, Big Nietzsche's – what he likes to say is like, if you put Alabama head to head with Cincinnati, you put these teams, that's not how rankings work. Rankings don't work on head to head matchups. Mm-hmm. Rankings work on what, if you earned by, by playing in that season, correct? And the thing is, is if you take away dynasties, you take away the, the history of teams, you take away the recruits that are on the teams, right? You can throw Alabama in the playoffs any, every single fucking season and they're going to have an opportunity to win it. They're just greatly coached and they got great players. That's not how it is broken down into rankings. It is supposed to be only what has happened this season. And this season, Alabama's best win is number 12 Ole Miss, who has two losses, okay? Then they played a buttfuck shitty New Mexico State last week. And then on top of that, they be- they barely beat a five-loss LSU team, 20-14, to 14, had to stop them at their own red zone on the last play of the game. 
Okay. You have number three, Oregon, who lost to a fucking two and seven Stanford team at home. And then you have Ohio State, who's nine and one and has not been a single ranked program. And then you have Cincinnati at five, regardless of their power five or not. They beat number eight, Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Fuck the tradition. Fuck the past. Fuck how. Fuck all the head-to-head matchups. If we're talking about who deserves it, there's no way you cannot tell me that Cincinnati does not deserve to be in the college football playoffs. There's no okay. fucking way. 100%. College football rankings, the most bullshit, stupid ranking. It's not even a ranking. It's just a bunch of guys who are sitting in a circle randomly selecting these teams and throwing them on the board. I mean, well, like, where did I go to college? Half of these, well, no, but half of these guys are – are athletic directors at some of these schools and they're involved with some of these programs. But regardless, like you said, at the end of the day, it it should be all based around what's happening in the year, which it is, but also you have to throw in out your your competition, what has to do with it. Like to me, earlier in the season when Wake Forest was undefeated, right? You know, I thought they were playing great. And I look and I would look at the rankings, you know, you see them 17, 18, 23, whatever the fuck they were, they're low. And I was like, how is this happening, right? Like, to me, I think you have to put conference division, everything aside in in this case. You know, I think you got to – what's happening on the field and simply leave it at that because there's obviously no format to how they fucking do it. It's just every year Bama. The only only thing there is it's just every year Bama. You know Bama. I would say Alabama every single fucking year, number one, two. That's it. It's the only thing you can guarantee. So make it interesting. Make it fucking interesting. You know, you, you have a shitload of teams that are nine and one and ten and out. So all it is, it's that you're, 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 you know, make it interesting. I'd love to see Cincinnati up there. I'd love to see them up there. And they do deserve it, but I think it would, it would switch shit up. I want to see a season for once, for once, when Alabama's not in the playoff. Because frankly, right now, they don't deserve the number two spot. I don't think they deserve a number four spot. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they deserve top four at all. But they're there, and they're there every year. So, you know, fix this shit. Whoever is in charge of this shit, fix it. I think two of the biggest issues is number one, the entire uh, playoff committee is made up of power five directors. So that's why we're not getting any non-power five respect. They just literally don't even acknowledge them as like an actual football team. Um, number two, they set up so much of these rankings. Like when we get to um, conference championships at the end of the year, the way they're looking at it is like, oh, well, we could put uh, Georgia and Bama because they'll end up having to play each other in, at the end of the year. Or we can put Michigan and Ohio State up there because they'll play one of them will lose. But like, you can't do that. Like you have to do everything they did throughout the year to get where they're at. Um, Cincinnati's proven themselves. I don't care how close their games have been. Like they went, like you said, they went to Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame, who you consider a top 10 team in the country, but yet struggles against everybody year in, year out. Like you want to talk about legacy? Like, yeah, your legacy for Notre Dame is overhyping them the fuck up only to have them fail you consistently. But yet you want to give them the ranking. You want to give them the ranking that you gave them. Like, I don't, I just don't believe in that. Um, Oregon, like see Oregon, like in years past, I would have seen as one of those teams were like, oh yeah, they had a shitty loss. I wish they still would have been in. But like now that I see it, it's like, but why are why are you above an undefeated team? Like you had a terrible loss. I don't care what the circumstances were. Your record's your record. That's what we look at at the end of the year. That's what gets you into the playoff game. 
Because if we're just going to go off that, then why not have like, I don't know, a eight and two team that their two losses were in double overtime to a top five team. You wouldn't do that any year prior. So why are we doing it now? Like, I just don't agree with the mindset we have behind these rankings. And what bothers me too is like, all right, you tell Cincinnati, this is what you need to do. First of all, their only loss in the last two years is to Georgia, who beat them on a game-winning drive. With us, Cincinnati was winning the whole game, and Georgia's unanimously the best team in the country. So anyone else would have lost that game as well. So if you're Cincinnati, right? You're not on the big. You're not. You're not a Power Five. So like, look, beat beat some good Power Five teams. All right. So what do they do? They schedule at Notre Dame and at Indiana. Going into the season, Indiana was voted the number two Big Ten team in the country. Okay, not their fault. Injuries and stuff made them fall off. They beat them both at their homes, and they're winning out every game they're playing. They're about to beat a very good 8-2 SMU team this weekend. Like, what more do you want from – like, what more can they do for you? They can't beat everyone by 100 points. Alabama's barely beating LSU with five losses. You know, like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, what more do you want from them? And it, it gets me mad because at the end of the day, it's all about money. They're scared Cincinnati can't hang, and they're scared Cincinnati's not going to bring the money in that an Ohio State or someone else can bring. That's it. There's no other – there's no other reasoning. It's all this, but – at the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about it except continue to put on a program like this. Like they just got to continue to win. I mean, it, it just—it's what has to happen, right? They got to—they got to go this season undefeated. They got to prove themselves. Hopefully, they end up making it in the playoffs, right? You know, hopefully they end up going out to the four spot. You know, if they can get there. And next season, they got to do the same thing. I mean, like it's—it's it's the shitty way college football is run. I mean, like it's just how it is. There's, like you know, I feel like this conversation is had every year. Because it's unanimously everyone's always, besides Bama fans, of course, everyone's always like, what the fuck are these rankings? Like, what the fuck? It just, it's a consistent, consistent cycle that always happens that, you know, Cincinnati deserves it, but are they going to get it? I don't think so. And I think another important thing to note is like, let's say the top four teams don't lose another game the entire year. Just don't. Well, Alabama and Georgia, one of them got to lose. Okay, so let's say Alabama and Georgia do play. Oregon and Ohio State say the same, right? They went out. Let's say the Georgia-Bama game comes down to a last-second field goal in overtime. Are you dropping one of them out of the top four to give Cincinnati that spot? No. They're they're probably not going to. I've already seen Kurt Herbstreit talk and explain how a two-loss Alabama team could get in over an undefeated Cincinnati team. And that is like as much, as much as I want to agree with that, because given that scenario of Georgia beating Bama on like a last second field goal in overtime, like I'm sorry, Alabama, but you had your chance and you just fucking lost it. Now, if it was Georgia who's undefeated and loses that game, you have to keep them in the top four. I agree. I agree. But if Bama loses that fucking game, Get them out of the fucking. But no one's questioning Georgia. Everyone acknowledges unanimously acknowledges acknowledges that Georgia's the best team in the country. Yes, it's not and Georgia. It's, it's the two, three, and four. Yeah, but Ohio State and Oregon can realistically like win out. Yeah, my my to, well, to me it, to me to me Oregon deserves it. I don't know. I think Oregon. I, I, I'm looking at more. I'm looking at more two and four. I, I, I think Bama number one. I don't, I don't think – I think Bama having the number two spot right now, they don't deserve it. I don't think they should be in the top four at all, and I don't think they should make the playoffs this year. I, if I did – I had to do my top six, so my, my four in the playoffs. As of right now, not what's going to happen as of right now, this week, I'm doing Georgia number one, 
Cincinnati number two, Oregon number three, Ohio State number four, with Bama at five and Michigan State at six. That's what I would personally do with my top six. Because Michigan also, sorry to to interrupt you, Ethan, they just barely beat a four-loss Penn State team. Barely beat them. See, the thing is, I don't care. I think Michigan, I think they look great. The whole they year. lost to Michigan State. They can't be but, ranked ahead of them. It's it, not how that works. But in this case, it doesn't. I still think they're a great team. They've been putting up a shitload of points. I mean, like, no, no matter what you say, like, you have to draw the line somewhere, right? And I get that, you know, they lost to Michigan State, but what are you going to do? I mean, like, I still think they're a great fucking team, and I still think they should be high up in contention there. I, I I put them next to Ohio State in this case. Okay, I will say even like as someone who supports Ohio State and like enjoys watching them play football, I do not think they. they would be great. I didn't hear the end part of that. Yeah. What'd you say? You don't think what? I don't think Ohio State's going to beat Michigan State. I this think. Weekend? I don't think Ohio State is going to beat Michigan State. That's this weekend. You know that. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. don't I don't think it's going to happen. I I really enjoy Ohio State football. I do not see it happening. Damn. We'll find out. Are you going to lock it? You're going to confirm it a lock? Oh, hell no. You gotta lock the, I'm, I'm fucking, You know I'm locking the Eagles. You know I'm locking the Eagles. I'm locking the Eagles for the Super Bowl already. <laughs> I'm taking my way. Jalen Hurts, I'm not going to lie. But, hey, on a real note, I appreciate you guys coming on tonight. Zach, thank you once again. Ethan, hopefully, hopefully we can get you on again in the future. Anything you guys want to say? Uh, go, go Birds. Go Knowles. Norvell's building back program. We are beating Florida, by the way. Florida is straight guard. That's a lock. That is a lock. You can fucking put that. And fucking seal it away forever, baby. I promise what, what, whatever you. Whatever you say, I'm locking the opposite. To his grave. Mark my fucking words. Thank y'all for coming on. Class, baby.